Do you know one of the reasons why? You, you just never know what the Lord's going to do in the course of a service, and it is absolutely worth showing up. Get your Bibles, go to John chapter number 5, John chapter 5 this morning, and we're going verse by verse in the Gospel of John, John chapter 5. Very excited. We have a lot of events coming up. I, I don't know if my, I don't, anybody else feel this way. I feel like, okay, once we get through the summer, then like, you know, things will calm down. And then you get to fall, and it's like, no, there's 20 more events, right? Uh, and this morning, now look, I'm a child of the 90s, so all I, this is terrible. I'm telling on myself, right? I'm thinking, mo people, mo problems, right? <laughs> oh, but remember the 90s, uh, mo money, mo, anyone remember that? Anybody? Anybody? I'm, you know what I thought to myself? Mo ministry, mo ministry, mo. That's all I could think of because the more people that come, right, there's more opportunity to minister to them. And so uh, as, as the year progresses, I find myself going, man, uh, it, uh, there, there's no slowing down. But you know what? Uh, I'll slow down when I get to the grave. Amen. Amen. So will you. Look at John chapter 5. And I'm uh, going to be going here uh, uh, starting off in verse number 1. Uh, and I uh, got quite a bit uh, for us this morning to see what we get through. John chapter 5. Uh, really want to try to hit three topics this morning. We'll see if we get to them. Uh, one has to do with the, the issue of the Passover, at least in the historical context of John 5, uh, as well as the ministry of Jesus Christ, um, as well as uh, the, the matter of typology in your Bible. Uh, and then lastly, if we can get to it, we'll talk about uh, what the Bible says there in verse 4 about the angel uh, that went down in a certain season in the pool. Now, let me encourage you to do something this morning. Uh, we talked about this Wednesday night, and uh, let me encourage you, uh, if you can, turn your phone off. And, and uh, listen, if there's a first responder here, I, I don't know of anyone besides Brother Jose, uh, and I don't think he's here right now. So if you're a first responder, we understand you keeping your phone on. Uh, other than that, can I encourage you not to do that? Let me tell you why. Uh, as the Lord is trying to speak to you, there's a million other voices trying to speak to you as well. And uh, so I'm going to encourage you to do that. And uh, remember where we're at. We're not in our living room. We're not in our bedroom. You know where we're at? We're in the house of God. And so uh, look at John chapter 5. Look, if you would, at verse number 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. You know what I find really interesting? I noticed this this last week as I was reading through my Bible uh, probably more so than I ever had before. Uh, notice in verse number one, he mentions the Feast of the Jews. Can I ask you guys, who is writing the Gospel of John? Not a trick question, I promise. John, okay, all right. And John is a Jew. And yet he says a Feast of the Jews. It's almost like he's saying, look, uh, again, as we talked about before, when you read your Bible, the Lord is either talking to someone that's a Jew, if they're lost, a Gentile, if they're lost, and if you're a born-again child of God, you know where you fit? You fit in the church, all right? And so he says a feast of the Jews almost as if to say, uh, that's, that's, not where I, that's not where I park myself anymore. Not that I'm not a Jew physically, uh, but, but I'm on the New Testament side of things, right? And so he says a feast of the Jews, and it says Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Talked about this the other day. When you read up and down in your, in your Bible, uh, oftentimes what it's referring to is elevation, so you might find that they are, they are actually in the north, and then they go up to Jerusalem. Like, no, 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 they went down. No, no, they, they went up because it's elevation. Uh, look at verse number two. Now, there's at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season in the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. 
uh, I got to be honest with you, all I can think of when I read this is my kids. Uh, you ever do something and say, all right, whoever's first, and boom, they just bum rush? You parents know what I'm talking about, all right? And, and so basically, that's what's going on here. Look at verse 5. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity 30 and 8 years. That's a long time to be sick. When Jesus saw him, I don't know about you guys, uh, ladies, let me explain something to you about men, okay? All right, about our, about our sicknesses, about our sicknesses, all right? And if you're not married yet, you'll, you'll, you'll eventually understand this, that when men get colds, all right, it's almost as bad as when you, guys, you ladies have a baby. It's almost. I'm sorry, I had it backwards. When you have a baby, it's almost as bad as us having a cold. That's, that's, what I'm, that's what I meant to say. All right, so, all right, so. Let's pray right now. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the word of God and thank you for a chance to be in church. And uh, Lord, I understand it, it. When we say in church, we're not referring to the building. We're talking about each other and the, the assembly here, Lord. And most importantly, Lord, what makes this your house isn't the, the stuff on the walls or Lord, even necessarily just us by ourselves. It's you being here. And Lord, I pray that you'd show up and I pray you'd work in our hearts and uh, Holy Spirit of God, I pray you lead and guide us in all truth. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so basically you have a man that's very sick for 38 years, and he's uh, uh, laying at this pool. I'm trying to give you a little bit of a historical context of what's going on. And the Bible says that he had to wait there, and an angel would come down and trouble the water. Now, that word trouble is really interesting because, let me ask you a question. Who here wants trouble? Anybody want trouble? Uh, nobody wants trouble, but let me just say this. Uh, in your life, you need it. When you, when, when, some, when, you are in your, when you find yourself in your life stagnating, it's not healthy for you. Uh, one of the things that's killing Americans is they sit all day and they don't move around. And, and, and listen, spiritually, I know some of you that are like fitness people are like, yeah, get them. Spiritually, spiritually, it's the same exact problem. And, and if you just allow smooth, if you just want smooth sailing in your life, the Lord may allow, allow that. And you know what you do? You miss out on opportunities for the Lord to show up. When the Lord troubles things and moves things in your life, no, none of us here, self-included, are like, Lord, thank you for the flat tire, Lord, thank you for, it takes, it takes a little bit of thought, but you, can, but you can get there. You can get to where you go, Lord, thank you for the flat tire, Lord, thank you for that unexpected bill, thank you for the sickness, thank you for this, thank you for that, but I'm going to tell you, naturally, that doesn't work that way. By nature, the immediately once there's a problem, we go, why me? Why now, right? And I can tell you this right now. If there's going to be something that breaks in my house, it's going to be Saturday night, Sunday morning, or Wednesday night. Every single time. And, and you know what? Or the car breaks down or something like that. You know, uh, Wednesday night, you know, we couldn't figure out. No water pressure at the house. Something happened with Lacey's car. Uh, it feels like, man, when you hit a bump, you're going boom, boom. Not like cool hydraulics, boom, boom, but like... <laughs> The very opposite of that, like just it's very wrong. So, something was wrong with their car. Something was wrong with something else. Uh, and then something else took place. I was just like, "What is going?" On? And it was almost like the Lord said, "You need this. You need this." Now none of us want it, but we need it. And the angel comes down and troubles that water and moves things around. And listen, I, I'm not going to tell you I understand all of that. I believe it by faith. I believe it by faith. And by the way, we're going to get to this later. There are modern Bibles that take verse 3 and 4 out of there. Why? Because it just doesn't seem probable. And it doesn't really make sense that an angel would come down. I don't understand that at all. For anyone that thinks that way, have you read any other part of the Bible? Like the parting, when someone's like, oh, I can't believe uh, this particular miracle because I'm like, then throw the entire thing out. Throw Jonah in the well, throw the parting of the Red Sea, throw all of it out. 
Uh, we're going to see that some people don't believe those verses should be there, but that angel would come down and trouble the water. And, and that, listen, it's a great picture of something. It's a picture of God moving things around your life so that you can receive some health, so that you can be made whole. Uh, look, if you would, at uh, verse number one, uh, talking about the Feast of the Jews. Now, it does not specifically say Passover. I will admit that. Uh, however, what you find out is that the ministry of Jesus Christ is three and a half years. And when he starts that ministry, according to Luke chapter 3, he's 30 years old. All right? And his ministry lasts, uh, uh, again, three and a half years. And so what you find out is John 2 definitely spells out it's a Passover. John 6 spells out it's a Passover. John 12, specifically, we know that that's the, the uh, Passover that leads uh, to the time of Jesus Christ's death. Uh, and so th- there's an insinuation that this would be, and most people believe that, that this would be a Passover as well. You say, why does it matter? Because during his ministry, there would have been four, three and a half years uh, during the public ministry of Jesus Christ. Uh, look, if you would, uh, Luke, Luke chapter number three, Luke chapter three. I want you to see this. So you don't take my word for it. Uh, Luke chapter three. Uh, and by the way, if you wanted to work in the tabernacle and you wanted to uh, uh, you are to serve uh, and you are of the Levites and taking care of the instruments and things like that. Uh, you couldn't do it till you're 30 years old. Uh, and, and what's interesting about it is they were numbered uh, at, uh, as far as going to war, they were numbered at the age of 20. All right? So, yeah, we'll, we'll let you go die for us at 20, but you can't go in there and serve the tabernacle until you're 30. Uh, and so uh, you say, what, what, what is that uh, a, a picture of? Well, I'm not sure exactly necessarily what this is, except for I know this, they weren't counted as men until that time. Uh, what I can also tell you is this, I believe this is significant uh, because it points to the ministry of Jesus Christ. And uh, he, as our high priest, shows up to serve. The Bible says the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. Uh, Look at Luke chapter number 3. Luke chapter 3. And uh, look, if you would, at verse number 23. Luke chapter 3. verse. Actually, go back to verse 22. And the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son, in thee I am well pleased. This is, uh, you understand, this is the baptism of, of John baptizing Jesus Christ. Uh, and look, if you would, at verse number 23. And Jesus himself uh, began to be about 30 years of age, being as was supposed, the son of Joseph, so on and so forth. All right, so I want you to see that Jesus' ministry starts when he's 30. Uh, and the, the idea is this. Uh, it's a three-and-a-half-year ministry. And if you look at uh, the ministry of the Antichrist, it's the same exact thing. You say, what does the Antichrist do? Well, the Antichrist basically just imitates everything that the Lord does. Uh, you know what, what's, and I don't, I, I don't want to get off topic too far, but you know you learn about the devil? Uh, there's nothing original. It's all a cheap imitation of the Lord. Uh, and, and you know that God says there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. The devil copies that. Uh, the, the, the Lord Jesus Christ has a bride, all right? And it's, it's the church. And so the devil says, okay, I'll do that too. Uh, and so, so on down the list. Uh, so you say, why is this significant? Well, it's significant for a couple of reasons. Number one, historically. When you look at the Bible narrative and it gives you, da- when it gives you uh, certain feasts and it tells you this thing happened here and this thing happened here, pay attention to that. You know what's really easy to do? Uh, listen, let me, let me ask it this way. How many of you all have read through Chronicles, uh, I don't know, maybe around 10 o'clock at night? Anybody ever try to do that? Don't take, you don't need melatonin, you don't need Benadryl, you don't need, just read First Chronicles chapters 1 through 10 at 10 o'clock at night, you will go to sleep, okay? 
but what, what you'll find out as you get in your Bible is there's these, these things that show up historically where the Lord goes, well, this guy's there, or it takes place at this point, or they went up, talking about elevation, or this takes place, or that. And you look at those, those things, you go, well, that's not a big deal. It's trying to point to you to some historical facts that matter. The Bible is the greatest history book on the face of the earth. Uh, matter of fact, that this very place, look if you would, uh, go back to John chapter 5, the place that we're learning about right now, Bethesda, John chapter 5, uh, for years, you know what scholars said? Uh, they didn't believe it was real. Uh, matter of fact, they said that it was a made-up place. It wasn't until uh, 1888, 1888, that a guy named, uh, was it uh, Schick? I think it was Schick, I think the guy's name was. Uh, that discovered, 18, that's right, 1880, 1888. I can, I can count, I promise. Uh, in 1888, this guy discovers, they, they do a big dig there, and they find this pool of Bethesda. Now, let me just say this right now. If you're a Christian and you go, man, now I believe it, you got, you got, it, you got it backwards. You got it backwards. Like, like I believe it because it's in the book, right? And, and uh, matter of fact, we had a guy, we were uh, preaching out publicly the other day on Friday night, and a guy came by and, and uh, was just asking, you know, like, like uh, why do you, you know, how come, how come you know that you're right? How come you know that you're right? And uh, I said, well, there's history. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, there's a man named Jesus Christ that lived and died. You know that, right? Well, yeah. I said, and, and is he still dead? And he said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, they, historically, there's people out, even outside the Bible that write about a man named Jesus that said he was the Messiah, the Christ. And, and after his death, hundreds of people that saw him uh, after his death accounted for that. I said, that's historical fact. You can't just do the way with that. He said, well, well that, he's not the only one that ever did that. I said, what do you mean he's not the only one that ever did that? He, he went and started talking. Now, I'm not making this up. He, goes, he started talking about Osiris. And I said, okay. I said, look, man, if we want to talk about mythology and like, you know, Santa Claus, uh, Odin, the Norse god, you know, flying through the sky and all that kind of stuff. I said, we can talk about that. I'm talking about if, 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 if when Abraham Lincoln was shot at, at point blank range, a day later he comes out of that casket, everyone would have known about that. Right? And so the same thing happened, but it happened 2,000 years ago. The problem is this. The problem is that Abraham Lincoln was a political figure. Jesus Christ claimed to be the Savior of the world. And you have to submit to, the, to his authority, and people don't want to do that. Therefore, they go, well, I don't really believe it. Listen, you can't deny that. After the end of the conversation, he goes, well, you got me there. I said, good. <laughs> Consider Jesus Christ. Uh, now, now the re- I say all that to say this. There's historical value in learning about these things. Don't just pass by them. Now, uh, go back to John 5. Look at uh, verse 2. It mentions this place, Bethesda. All right? And again, people uh, argued about this being a, a real place. And, and notice it mentions five porches. Uh, and you are in John chapter number five. You know what this guy is at the point of right now? The, this guy is at the point of death. Now, I know some of you back there can't see this. I apologize. We've had the board down here. We've had the board over here. We're moving it up. You say, what are we doing? We don't know where to put the board. <laughs> all right. We're trying to find a place where you can read some of it. All right. So, uh, but anyways, uh, the Bible, uh, if you go through and study, you learn that number five in your Bible is associated with death. Some would argue grace. And I would say this, you can't obtain the grace of God without the death burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So it still works, all right? Uh, but the idea is this. It's John chapter 5. Bethesda has five porches. And then right after that, you know what you read about in verse number 5? You read about a man that's about to die. You know it's a great picture of? We're talking about typology this morning. It's a great picture of you and me without Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what you try. Uh, it's like that woman that had the infirmity that was uh, bowed over. She had that, that uh, uh, spirit of infirmity. And, and uh, the Bible says she tried everything. 
and uh, she waste, uh, spent all her money on the physicians, and she was the worst for it, and she did this, and she did that. Nothing really worked until Jesus came by, and uh, that's, 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 that's what's going on in this passage. Now, uh, I want to point out some things about the Passover. Um, look, if you would, at uh, John chapter number one. Go to John chapter one. John chapter one. And by the way, that's a beautiful sound. Oh, I love that sound, flipping through the pages. Uh, there are, in the Gospel of John, there are three uh, feasts that are mentioned, all right? Uh, the Feast of the Dedication, this one's not necessarily an Old Testament feast, all right? So I'm going to kind of focus on these two. This one kind of forms around the time of the Maccabees, but over here you've got the Passover and the Tabernacle, all right? So basically what you have is, in regards to the ministry of Jesus Christ, uh, nobody knows, and people argue all the time, and let me just say this right now. I, I don't understand this. Bear with me. If you don't like Christmas because you don't want to spend money, okay, that's fine. Uh, but if you don't like Christmas because Jesus wasn't born that day, fine. Then don't even celebrate the resurrection either because you don't know what day he rose from the dead exactly. You could try to guess based on the calendar. You can go, well, it's the first day of the week and so on and so forth but based on the Passover. Uh, okay, all right. But you and I both know you're, you're guessing based on the calendar being right on certain things. We don't know all those things. So ultimately, here's what I'm getting at. Romans 14, Brother Tim taught about it. Don't get so hung up on Jesus wasn't born that day. How about this? You couldn't have a death, burial, resurrection without his birth. You know what else drives me crazy? Christians that are just so nitpicky about those things. You spend your entire year trying to get people to talk about Jesus Christ, trying to initiate conversation about the Lord, if you're doing your job as a Christian. And then it comes time for the, 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 the holidays, right? Well, you know, he wasn't born that day. Okay, fine. Do you, do you think the lost person really cares about that? Maybe just tell them about how he died for them, right? Maybe take advantage of the opportunity. And, and, and really, that's the, the idea that you ought, to, you ought to run with as a believer. Uh, take advantage of whatever day it is for the honor and glory of Jesus Christ. Now, I say that to say this. He was not born December 25th. There's a lot of reasons for that. I'm not going to go into it all right now. Uh, there's a, a really good chance uh, when you study scripture, he's born at the Feast of Tabernacles. You say, why? Uh, the Bible talks about Emmanuel, God with us. The tabernacle of God is with men. Do you know the Bible says about your body? Your body is likened to two things, a couple of things actually, a vessel, a tabernacle, and a temple. You know what a tabernacle was in the Old Testament? It was a place where God would meet with his people and it could move. It could take it from one place, pitch that tent, move it over here. You know what you are? You are God's mobile home. And you're like, no, 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 I'm a 40-acre uh, ranch estate. No, 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 you're God's mobile home, all right? And, and God says, hey, I want you to go here. You go there, amen? But wherever you go, there he is with you as well, all right? So, so you have Christ in you, the hope of glory, all right? As it relates to the Lord Jesus Christ, you know what he was? He was God manifest in the flesh, he was God taking on a human tabernacle, a human form, so that we could interact with God because no man has seen God at any time, right? And so the Lord does that, and he comes to us, I believe, at the Feast of Tabernacles. Now look at uh, Zechariah chapter 14, Zechariah 14. So why are we looking at this? Just to understand why these feasts, as the Bible says in Colossians, are a shadow of things to come, uh, these feasts represent something. All right, uh, look at Zechariah chapter 14. Zechariah chapter 14. Talking about the Feast of Tabernacles here. Zechariah 14. That's the second to last book in your Old Testament. All right, so if you get to Malachi, you've gone too far. All right, 
Zechariah 14, verse number 16. And it says, This shall come to pass that everyone that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep what? Isn't it interesting when they want to go see the Lord, right? God manifests in the flesh. When they want to go see the Lord, that what they do is they go at what time? At the Feast of Tabernacles. All right, that's significant. There's a reason for that. Now, by the way, this is after the Lord has come back to this earth to establish his kingdom, all right? Uh, Look, if you would, at Psalm chapter 19. Psalm 19. Uh, These are things that you'll find in your Old Testament. And I would encourage you, don't just skip by them. Don't just run by them. Uh, Check them out. See what uh, the cross-references are. Uh, Psalm chapter 19. Psalm chapter 19. Look, if you would, at verse number 4. Psalm chapter 19. Verse number four. And this is a great picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm 19, look if you would at verse number four. And it says, Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a what? Now look at what he look what he likens this unto. A tabernacle for what? The sun. Well, and, and we've been through this before. For some of you it might be new. Uh, but you know what the sun's a great picture of? Over there in Malachi chapter 4, it talks about the son of righteousness, S-U-N, not S-O-N. The son of righteousness shall rise with healing in his wings. Malachi chapter 4, it's a reference to the Lord Jesus Christ at the second coming. All right? Uh, the moon, we understand, according to Song of Solomon, is a great picture of the church. All right? And then you've got the stars. Uh, go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 15 real quick. We'll come back. Real, we'll come right, right away real quick to Psalm 19. So keep your hand there. But go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, all right? So the, the Lord Jesus Christ, picture of the sun, the, the moon, you know what the moon is? It's a dead rock. It has no life in itself. And uh, they're going to spend lots of money going up to outer space to try to figure things out. And uh, all the answers are in this book right here. Uh, but uh, as it relates to uh, the, the, the typology, what you'll find is these things are pretty consistent. Now, the old timers used to sing this, Will there be any stars in my crown? Anybody ever heard that old song? It's an old song. It's not something you really hear a lot these days, an old, old hymn. Uh, you say, what was that? Well, over there in Thessalonians, I won't have you go there, but in Thessalonians chapter 2, uh, it talks about ye, the Thessalonian Christians, ye are our crown of rejoicing. In other words, the, the people that Paul had won to Jesus Christ, they were part of that crown that the Lord was going to give them. Uh, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You say, where do the stars come in? Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and look if you would at verse number uh, 40. There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial, but the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. You know what the glory of the terrestrial is? You know, you know what, by the way, you don't have to learn original Greek in, in, uh, to learn the Bible, uh, but uh, original Spanish would be helpful, Okay. All right, so what is this? It's actually comes from the Latin, but you Spanish speakers, can you, tierra. All right, what does that mean? It means dirt or it means earth, right? So terrestrial is the earthly body. So look again at, at verse number uh, 40, uh, 40, and it says the glory of the terrestrial is another. You know what the glory of the terrestrial body is? Look at me lift, bro. You know, check this out. Like that's the, that's the glory of the terrestrial body. And you know what it does? It fades. It dies. Uh, the glory of the celestial is eternal, and it shines forever and ever and ever and ever. And e- I can't wait. Uh, look at verse 41. There's one glory of the sun. 
there's the Lord, and another glory of the moon, there's the, the, the church, the bride of Christ, and another glory of the stars. Now watch what he says, because he puts a colon there, and what that tells you is that what I just said, I'm about to explain at the end of the, at the, end of the statement here, and here's what he says, for one star differeth from another star in glory. I say, what is that? You know what the stars are? It's individual Christians, individual believers in the resurrection. Now, I'm not going to say I have this all figured out 100%, but I, I, it, it appears uh, that uh, based on how you live for the Lord Jesus Christ while you're down here, uh, that, that could affect the level of brightness that you carry with you into that glory. Uh, and I'm not going to tell you I have it all figured out, but it talks about them shining forth, Matthew, in the kingdom of, uh, shining forth, shining forth in the kingdom of their dear Father. And, and so that said, you got the sun, moon, and stars. Go back to Psalm chapter 19. In light of that, look at Psalm 19. Psalm 19. And look, if you would, at verse number 4. Again, one more time. Their line has gone out throughout all the earth, and their words to the end of the world, talking about the heavens and the glory of God being shown there. In them, in the heavens, hath he set a tabernacle for the sun. Now, he's just, listen, he's just talking about nature. But then look at verse 5. And look what he mentions here which is as a bridegroom, why, it, it, it's like kind of almost, I won't say out of place because I don't want to be disrespectful, but it, it almost is like, what does this have to do with? Because he's talking about heavenly bodies, and then he talks about a bridegroom, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about the second coming where the Lord Jesus Christ comes back. All right, and so there's that connection all right, between the bridegroom and the son. You say, who's the bridegroom in John? The bridegroom's Jesus Christ. Remember when John the Baptist says that the, the friend of the bridegroom rejoices uh, at his side, but the bridegroom is another? He's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. So w- what you see here is this. As it relates to the word tabernacle, over and over and over, it's connected with the Lord. And it's connected with the Lord showing up. So it just fits that at his first coming and his birth and at his second coming, uh, you have a connection with the Feast of Tabernacles, all right? Uh, now, what about the Passover? What's the Passover connected with? Well, uh, look at John chapter 1. I think I had to go there and never actually read the verse. John chapter 1. Guilty, guilty. Pastors have ADD, right? Uh, or AD, whatever it is, ADHD. John chapter 1. Uh, look, if you would, at verse number oh, 29. The next day, John seeth Jesus coming to him and saith, Behold the what? The Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Uh, Guys, that that verse, and I realize we we quote it a lot, we know it, we've memorized it for for many of us. But I'm going to tell you right now, that verse is so powerful. Because it's not a covering, it's not an atoning, it's not a, you know what it is? It's not just, let me just put it underneath something. It's let me take that sin away. (laughs) And how did he take that sin away? He took that sin away by becoming that sin for us. Man, when I think about my pride and my envy and my lust and my jealousy and, and anger and wrath, and you know, I love it when you talk to someone. I talked to someone not, not that long ago here on a Wednesday night about their soul. And he's like, man, I just, I never done anything real bad. Like, I didn't do this. And I, I know what he meant. He meant this. I'm a sinner, but I'm not like one of those sinners on death row. Yeah, but let me tell you something. You don't get compared to one of those sinners at the judgment. <laughs> You get compared to a sinless man. And that sinless man became sin for you so that your sin could be taken away. That's a good deal, man. That is a good deal. Uh, The idea is this. He is the Lamb of God. 
So when we talk about the Passover, and of course, if you want to learn about all of that, you can go back to Exodus chapter 12 and read about it. I uh, won't do that right now. Uh, but you understand that what was done, <laughs> they would put a, a blood over the, the, the top of the, the doorpost and on the side, you say, what was that? Well, <laughs> I don't think they had any clue what they were doing back then, but you know what that's a picture of? It's the Lord Jesus Christ dying and shedding his blood for your sins, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Uh, and so the Passover, is a, as, you, as you learn about the fact that John 5, more than likely it is a Passover celebration, it's interesting, go back to John 5, it's interesting that, that this takes place and the Lamb of God is right there. And the Lamb of God is about to step in where others would not. And uh, it is the Sabbath day, and because of that, uh, obviously the Jewish leadership can have a problem with what the Lord does. But I'm, I'm just thankful the Lord doesn't care what other people think. I'm thankful that when I need help, he, he helps. Amen. I, I'm thankful that he is a touch, touch with the feelings of my infirmities. Uh, when it comes to having a high priest, look, let's be honest about it. Uh, it's, a, it's a blessing to have Christian fellowship. It is a blessing to have the body of Christ. It is a blessing to be with God's people. And I want to talk about that in the Sunday morning service. I'm excited about talking about that because I do love my church. But, but I'm going to tell you around, there are times and places that nobody else can go but God. Times in your life where you are at your lowest, and it's like, man, I just, I'm that close to getting help, and I just can't seem to get there, and nobody else is going to help me get in. And I think sometimes, I, I don't know why this is, but I think sometimes the Lord uh, allows us to be in a place where we are all by ourselves, and nobody else will help. And you know what you can do? You can get bitter about the fact that nobody is helping you. Or you can recognize the reason nobody's helping me is because nobody can help me right now. This is a place where only God can help. And, and, and let's be honest, we don't like those places, do we? You know what you like? I, I, you know, Amazon, you know, push the button, it shows up. DoorDash, Uber, I've got stuff showing up when I want it to. Listen, I'm not making this up. I looked up a book last night. I hit a button, and at 7 o'clock at my house, that book was on the doorstep. That is weird. <laughs> That's where we're at today. And so we take that mentality and come and we go to God and we go, God, 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 Lord, can you, Lord, are you, li Lord, it's been long. It's the same reason why people come to church, because you've been TikToked all week long, and Instagram reeled all week long, and so the preacher's three minutes in the message, like, is that, should he be done now? Like, reels last like two minutes tops, right? And so why is he still talking two hours later, right? Uh, well, well, I'll tell you what it is. We're so accustomed to things happening like this, and you know what sometimes happens? Listen to me, 38 years is a long time. How many of you have been praying for something for 38 years? I can tell you this, there's, a, there's probably a small handful of people that have been praying that long for something in this room. And you know what I want to encourage you to do today? Don't quit praying. And don't quit seeking the Lord. All right, th this man is uh, at this place, and I, I guarantee you from his standpoint, do you think that man woke up that morning and said, this is the day the Lord's going to come in? No, he had no idea. Just like you don't have any idea of what God's doing in your life oftentimes. And he's just, I, I would, if I'm him, I'm frustrated. I'd be honest with you, I'd be a little bitter. I'd be a little angry. I mean, have you ever been somewhere? We, uh, we went to some 5K thing, and there was a line for something, and, and these kids just kind of jumped right in front of the line, and they didn't know any better. They're just being kids. It's like, hey, kids, uh, uh, that's, uh, the, you're, you're kind of cutting in line. Oh, okay, sorry about that, you know. And can you imagine being that guy? And every time the angel goes in there and troubles the water, and the Bible doesn't say if anyone can see him, they don't know, but, man, the water's getting trouble. It's moving around, and so now's the time to jump in. And every time that happens, he's like, man, I'm right there, and someone jumps in front of me. That's the sitting of John chapter 5. 
And so, you know what's just interesting about that? What's interesting about that is the Lord steps in just like he, there was only one Lamb of God. Uh, go, go back to Exodus chapter 12. Matter of fact, I, I told you we're not going to go there, but we are going there. Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12. And uh, I know for some this is uh, not a, a new concept, but I think it's a good thing to look at. Exodus chapter 12, in light of what we're talking about. Exodus chapter 12, uh, look if you would at uh, verse number 1. And the Lord speaking to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. Uh, it's supposed to be January. No, nope, no, nope, we're not starting in January. We're starting here because basically your identity begins with God. And so, and so for the Jewish calendar, their, their month starts in a bib uh, that would be like basically closer to our April, March, April. And, and you say, why is that? Because that is when the Lord brought them out of Egypt. So from God's perspective, this is when I make you a nation. You are, listen, I mean this, you got to understand, the, we take ourselves sometimes, I think, a little too highly. We esteem ourselves too highly. You know what all of us would be in this room? We'd be nothing without the Lord. Imagine your life without God right now. You as a Christian, if you've been, say, 5, 10, 15, especially if you're raised in a Christian home, imagine your life right now without God influencing your parents, your pastor, the Bible being there. Imagine all that's gone. Where would you be? You know what the answer is? I don't know, and I don't want to know. You say, why? Because my identity starts when God shows up in my life. So, so you know what? This is the beginning of months for them. Uh, look, if you would, at verse number uh, three, uh, speaking unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, in the tenth day of this month, they shall take to them every man. What's the next two words? You say, what is it? Well, someone's got to be sacrificed. There has to be a sacrifice. So he says, take unto you a lamb. What verse is that? Verse three. Look, if you would, at verse number four. And if the household be too little for, what are the next two words? The lamb. You say what? <laughs> There's only one that could take away all your sins. Uh, look, if you would, at verse number five. What are the first two words in that verse? Buddy, you can know that there had to be a sacrifice. You can know that there's only one. But if you don't make him yours, it's no good. You say, what is that? Just a reminder, he is the Passover lamb. He is the lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. In light of all of that, go back to John chapter number five. Go to John chapter five. And just notice a few things here. John chapter 5, talking about typology. Uh, can I point out to you that the Bible gives some, some history. tells you uh, the, the place is called Bethesda, but also it tells you what it's next to. And it's ironic. Look at John ch- chapter 5 and uh, look down, if you would, at verse number 2. There was at Jerusalem by the what kind of market? You just keep seeing this thing over and over and over. Sheep market. Passover, right? Uh, By the sheep market of pool, so on and so forth. All right, you say, why is that uh, uh, interesting? Well, it's a sheep market. All we like sheep have gone astray. And everyone has gone to his own way. And you know what you see in this passage? Right next to that sheep market, you had a bunch of sheep acting like sheep. And you know what sheep do? Sheep go where they want to go. And they make a mess of things. And we're going to look at this later on in Luke 15 this morning. Uh, but, you know, the, in the story of the, the prodigal son, you've got two other things that get lost. You know, one of those things is it's, it's a sheep. And uh, you know why that shepherd goes and finds that sheep? You go, it's a great picture of me getting lost. Oh, you can do that. There's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, it's just interesting about that. That sheep gets lost because it's acting like a sheep. 
and, and listen, you ever find yourself going, how, why is this happening? You know why it's happening? Because you're a sheep. Uh, and, and none of us want, I've seen these shirts that say, lions, not lambs. <sighs> you know, like maybe you dumb sheep are going to get slaughtered by the government, but not me. Two A, baby. Yeah. Right. Okay, fine. I appreciate all the page. All that stuff's great. But the reality is, you know, you are, you're a sheep. And you know, you need, you need a shepherd. And uh, the, it, it says here that they're, they're at this pool that's right next to the sheep market. So imagine the smell and imagine the noise. See, you don't do that when you read your Bible, do you? You just go right through. You just go, oh, well, you know, the sheep market. Who cares about the sheep market? It's there for a reason. It's there to show you something about us. You know what we are without the Lord? We stink. We make a mess of things. And we're always in a hurry. And noisy. Amen. Man, 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 man. Yeah. We have goats on our property, and I know the goats aren't sheep, and the gods are separate sheep from the goats and all that stuff, but we have goats in our, on our property, and man, there is a smell that you cannot get off your clothes when you have goats. And I've been told that sheep are kind of similar in, as far as the smell that they make. Let me tell you something right now. We look at ourselves, and I'm thankful. I'm thankful that you showered this morning and shaved and put deodorant on and put deodorant on and put deodorant on and put deodorant on, all right? <laughs> And, 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 and cologne or perfume. And, and listen, listen, I know some of you like things all organic. I'm going to tell you right now, give me the chemicals. <laughs> they smell better. All right? We'll, we'll have a church split right down the middle. All the moms there, take all the chemicals away. I'm like, give them to me. All right? All right? But, but anyways, sheep, you know, they, they stink and they make a lot of noise and, and, and they make a mess. And the Lord's going, this is you. This is you. Uh, notice that uh, the Lamb of God is present, but it's also a sheep market, all right? That's where sheep are traded and sold and so on and so forth. Do you know what you were? You were the sheep. You were the lamb that nobody wanted. But God said, I'll take him. I'll take her. You know what this man was with an infirmity of 38 years? Nobody even noticed him. Can I ask you a question? Do you, and we don't know his name, obviously, but can, can you imagine... Even that aside, we don't know the man's name, but would you have even known his story if Jesus had not interacted with him? You know what that reminds me of over and over and over? We take ourselves way too, we esteem ourselves way too highly. I'm telling you right now, your job will eventually be taken by someone younger, smarter, and better. Sorry, I know some of you are like, no, not me. Yes, you will get old, and they will replace you with someone that's younger they can pay half of your salary to. I know, I watch it all the time. All right, so your job, your how, all this stuff, you go, this is me. That's not you if you're a child of God. You know what you is? Christ in you. That's you. You know what brings value to your life? Jesus Christ. Here's this man whose name we don't know, whose story would never have been told if it wasn't for the Lord Jesus Christ interacting with him. All right? And, and so here we have a man that's facing death, and the Lord steps in to take his place. Uh, look down, if you would, at verse number three. And these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. Do you know what I, I, I would pray as a church? We have uh, uh, Brother Spurgeon coming in this week. Let me just tell you right now, I, we're going to call it revival because that's what you do, but let me just tell you right now, revival doesn't happen because you have a banner that says we're having revival. All right? It, it's, 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 it's just like, <laughs> has anybody gone to the bathroom recently and seen, I think it's Purell, I don't know, but it says Purell, healthy soap. Was there ever an unhealthy kind? Like, why would you? Stop it with the chemicals. Throws up to my wife. We just take showers in like lemon water and vinegar. 
give me Irish Spring, some Axe Body Spray, some cologne. Amen. We're going to need to move on. This is a problem right here. Bad, bad news. The Bible says this angel would go down and trouble the water, and these people were waiting for that. Now, I want you to see that in verse 3 and 4, uh, it mentions two things. People waiting for the moving of the water, all right? And number four, it talks about an angel stepping down uh, into the water and moving that water. Now, uh, there's a reason I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I want to make very clear, I'm not picking on anyone when I do this. Some of you already know where I'm going. If you don't know where I'm going, maybe be very, very clear. Um, someone is not a better Christian because they have a certain version of the Bible. Someone's not a better Christian because you have the King James Bible. That doesn't make you automatically a better Christian. All right, that, that's not where we're going with this, but I do want to make it very, very clear that there's a reason why we believe this book. All right, now let me read to you from John chapter 5 from the message. John chapter 5. And you may think, uh, what's the big deal? Well, I thought, I thought all they did was make it easier to understand. Well, let me read this to you. John chapter 5. Uh, let's see, hundreds of sick people, not a multitude, just hundreds. Hundreds of sick people, blind, crippled, paralyzed, were in these alcoves. One man had been an invalid there for 38 years. When Jesus saw him stretched out by the pool, stretched out, sounds like he's taking a tan, uh, and knew how long he had been there, he said, do you want to get well? You're missing something. Okay. Um, let's go here. All right, John chapter 5, uh, New International Version. John chapter 5, look at, uh, let's see here. Uh, you read it in yours, all right? Uh, verse 3, here are a great number of disabled people used to lie. Here, a, sorry, a great number of disabled people used to lie. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. You're missing something. Now, what they'll do is they'll put a footnote and say, they'll actually have the number four. The number will be there, but the verse is gone. And that has a little cliff note. What it'll say is something along these lines. The oldest and best manuscripts do not have verse four in them. All right, well, if you don't have verse four in them, then just take out the number. If, you're being, if, I was, if it wasn't supposed to be there, just say that, that you know, the next verse is actually verse four. All right, now there's a reason that that happens. And let me, let me see if I can get one more. All right. Uh, nope, that's not it. Help me, bear with me here. John chapter 5 in the Amplified Bible. John chapter 5 in the Amplified. All right, uh, you're used to it by now, so you know where it is. Uh, you know what's going on. And uh, here, you know what they do? Uh, in verse number 3, they add a footnote, and they say that the waiting for the bubbling up of the water, <laughs> bubbling up of the water. I got boys. I got, I got, I think of things that they do in the water. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, bear with me. <laughs> Waiting for the bubbling up of the water. And then in verse number four, it talks about the angel of the Lord, but it's in italics, and here's what it says. Um, uh, many manuscripts omit the last part of verse three and all, all of verse four. You know what's dishonest about that? Do you know the majority text has that verse in it? The verse that they take out, the by name, you don't have to be a Bible scholar. If something's called the majority text, you know that tells you the majority of manuscripts agree with that? It's there. <laughs> and now they go, well, it's not in the oldest and best. So they say, well, you know, oldest and best. We found these old uh, manuscripts that were, let's see if I can do this. All right, PowerPoint, old-fashioned. All right, slide number two. Um, so they say it's, it, the, the oldest and best don't have them, so therefore we take it out. All right, 
This guy is a church father. But I don't want to go into a whole thing on manuscript evidence. I'll just say this. When it comes to manuscript evidence, you have to... The first thing I'll say is this. I believe that book, and, and I'll, 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 yeah, if I have to prove it and go back to look at manuscripts, I will. But I don't live my life in a book... Uh, explaining that these verses are already there. That should have. I don't have to go back to an old manuscript all the time to constantly go, yeah, it's there. I just believe it by faith. Now, that said, when someone pushes and goes, well, you're just a Bible thumper. You don't know any better. I can go. I can roll. I can roll with you if you want. And, and here's what I find out. Tertullian is a church father. He quotes this thing in the third century. Do you know when the Alexandrian manuscripts were? Aleph and Sinia, uh, B and Sinaitic, uh, Vaticanus and Sinaiticus. Do you know when those things came out? Fourth century. All right, well, this church father is quoting it a hundred years before this one ever came out. How's he quoting it if it's not there? He's quoting John chapter 5 with the word angel and the whole, the whole thing's there. And he reads it. This guy, Ambrose, quotes in the 4th century. Christostone quotes in the 4th century. And oh, by the way, the old Latin had it in the 4th century before this was there. So, so guess what? It's not about the oldest and the best. You know what it really boils down to? There were people that messed with your Bible and they said this, that doesn't make sense. And if it doesn't make sense to us, we're going to look for a reason to take it out. And because it doesn't make sense and it just seems like, why would the angel be there? Is it necessary to the narrative? Let me just say this. If God put it there, it's necessary to the narrative of the story. All right. Now, now I I don't have uh, time to get into it all right now. We're going to maybe just touch a, a little bit of it, but the word angel shows up 283 times in your Bible, 92 times in plural. So let me ask you, if angels show up over and over hundreds of times in your Bible, why would you all of a sudden go, this one doesn't make sense? Right. Like, what would cause you to do that? All right. Uh, and, and let me say this as well, because we're not trying to get into all of it, but an angel is an appear. When you read the, the, the phrase angel of the Lord, right? That's an appearance of the Lord. If you read their angel, which you read about in Matthew, we'll look at next week, it's a reference to someone else's appearance. But an angel oftentimes is connected with someone bringing a message, yes, but also an appearance of something or someone. All right? So this angel was appearing for a certain reason in John chapter 5. Whether you believe it or not, it's completely up to you. But your belief does not necessitate taking it out of the Bible. All right. So you say, why do you say that? I, I, I want to educate you guys a little bit because I think sometimes what ends up happening is you hear things like, well, they just made it easier to understand. They took the these and the thous out. And it's real easy to kind of buy into that. I want you to understand it's not just about that. Uh, it, it's, it's much more sinister than that. Do I think that the average Christian that's going to a bookstore that just wants to find a Bible that's re- easy to read and understand, do I think they have bad motives? Not for a minute. Do I think the leadership in Christianity that should know better and is leading people the wrong ways and to give account of that at the judgment seat of Christ? Absolutely I do. Because God holds leadership to a higher standard. Uh, But let me just say this much as it relates to that topic, and we'll close here. As it relates to that, understand if you have people that aren't even saved, go to to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and we'll close with this thought. If you've never been born again, can I encourage you to do something? Uh, stay in any profession you want except for Bible translation. Okay? If you're not saved, that's not your, don't touch it. That's not your world. All right, and I'll prove it to you. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. Uh, when, when someone that's lost tries to make the Bible make sense, th- there's no way to do it without changing what God said. 
And that is literally where our sin problem enters into the picture in Genesis 3 is the devil messing with what God said. All right, uh, look at, and by the way, you know, uh, even not from a doctrinal standpoint, from a practical everyday life standpoint, do you know what your problem is? You messing with what God said. I'll prove it to you. I can do all things through Christ. That verse isn't going to work for me. That, that verse works for Brother Sean because he's like, you know, the Energizer Bunny for the Lord. And so it works for him, but it won't work for me because you don't know how I was raised. And when the Bible says things about you and your personal responsibility to God for your sin, you'll say things like this. Yeah, but my parents. Yeah, but that's, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says you got a free will and you choose. And, and so you see all the time, you, you, you go through this in your own personal life. My God shall supply all your need. Yeah, well, he does for someone else, but not for me. Uh, we go through over and over all the promises of God. That will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on. I love more than anything else. When I quote a verse of scripture to a Christian that's struggling, going, Pastor, would you help me? Here's what the Bible says. They go, yeah, I tried that. I can tell you this. If you did, I'm, not gonna, I'm just going to throw out if in case you were kind of not intellectually honest with yourself and me. But if you did try it, maybe you tried it once. You're 40 years old. The other junk in your life, you've been trying for 40 years. You need to try this a little bit longer. <laughs> All right. Uh, look at First Corinthians chapter two. If you're lost and you're not, you, you don't have the spirit of God inside of you. The Bible is not going to make sense. Uh, First Corinthians chapter two. Look if you would at verse number uh, fourteen. Verse fourteen. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of God, for they are what? I don't believe the angels should be there. Yeah, it's foolish. You know what else is foolish? He says that the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. It doesn't make sense. You get out and you hold up a Bible and say, the Word of God says, and they go, you idiot, go home. You're making a fool of yourself. Nobody wants to listen to you. And it's funny when they say that, like they speak for 8 billion people. I'm sorry, I'm not going to let you speak for 8 billion people. There are people that still get saved because someone holds up a Bible and says, thus saith the Lord. All right? Uh, look, look, look here, though. It says this, they are foolishness in him. Neither can he know them because they, the words of God, are what? All right, well, if, if they're spiritually discerned and you've got a dead spirit because you've not yet been born again. All right, if you've got a dead spirit, guess what? This book's not going to make sense to you. And I don't have time to go into all of it this morning. I'll just say this. There are countless scholars who came into uh, 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 the, the work of Bible translation with this kind of attitude. If it doesn't make sense, then we're going to explain it away. And let me tell you right now, you don't want people touching your book that are going to do that. Uh, you know what you want in your life? You know what you need when it comes to your marriage, when it comes to your finances and your relationships and your getting over bitterness and getting over addiction and all the rest of the issues. You know what you want to know? What did God say? What did God actually say? And you know, I'm, I'm happy to tell you this morning, you can actually find out what God says. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's all stand and we'll have a word of prayer and be dismissed. And uh, just thank God for the time we got to spend together. Father, thank you so much for uh, Sunday school hour. Lord, time just to dig a little.